Hello, and welcome to the Kinda, Sorta, Maybe Like a Podcast. I'm Aaron Demeter, and you're about to hear an interview with comedian Dan Telfer from the Odd Block Comedy Festival in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Hi, everybody. This is Greg Proops, the only American you can trust. And you're digging showbizmonkeys.com because you're so now. Around this town, I'm alright. Most people will know you from your stand-up, they'll know you as a panelist on At Midnight, and you're also the social media producer on At Midnight. Yeah. Um, so that's super cool. Uh, that To me, that feels like a big job. Uh, it's a huge social media-based show. Uh, how was that when you first took it on? Uh, it was exciting. I, I turned in a writing packet for the show, and they sort of created... This, some people tell me they created the position for me. Other people tell me it was already there. But back in 2013, there wasn't a lot of social media stuff in, in like, nightly comedy shows except for, like, Team Coco was around. And so, you know, they really wanted to have a, a strong social media presence. They'd reserved that Twitter account of At Midnight, and it had, like, 200 followers. So that's been fun to sort of uh, be a part of making that go from 200 followers to over half a million followers that's been really cool yeah it it definitely it's uh one of the strongest social media presences in comedy that i see all over the place it's i see it on reddit i see it on my facebook i see it all over my twitter i see other comedians tweeting at it um was this your first did they did you have previous experience doing social media managing or yeah a little bit i i had run a couple of accounts for the onion when i was an editor over there and it was fun. I really liked it. Uh, the opportunity doing it for a TV show was really exciting. Uh, I had done it for like web series before, and I'd, I'd written web series and was, uh, you know, pretty popular on Twitter before. But it was fun to really, you know, put it in the voice of a TV show. It was fun to be like, okay, I, I have to speak from the point of view of uh, an unreal entity. <laughs> It sort of has to sound like Chris Hardwick. It has to sound like a, a, a TV show that is not Har- Hardwick claiming to be Hardwick. It's, we never claim that the show's account is like Chris personally responding to people. And we try to use the royal we instead of I and stuff like that. But we still have like a personal tone and try to respond to as many people as we can. But we'll get like, you know, two, three hundred thousand at replies a night. And uh, that's why there's a whole team of us. It's me. Uh, a guy, Mike Ginn, and a woman, Allison Gertz, who uh, runs social media. I'm the only one who's been doing the social media since the beginning of the show, but Allison uh, started in research and got promoted up to it. We took Mike Ginn on earlier this year as a third person. A big part of your act, I notice, is you talk about your family a lot, talk about your kids. Uh, what is it like uh, being a comedian, having to tour while also being a father, raising kids? Uh, did you find it difficult at first to kind of balance the two, or did you just kind of take a break for a bit? Uh, how did you manage to balance that? I played it by ear, and you know, uh, I always considered my marriage to be a partnership where you make all the compromises necessary and. Just, you know, I tried to never take a gig that felt really shitty. I always try to run road stuff by my wife and see if her facial expression changes, <laughs> you know, and be like, oh, you know what? I'll take a pass on that. Um, but it's been great in a lot of ways. My kids, you know, obviously hate it. And if I think about my kids, you know, for more than half a second, I, I absolutely hate leaving the house every single time. <laughs> 
but I love doing comedy and, you know, going on the road is an opportunity to provide for them. And yeah, uh, you know, I make it work as best I can. I, I originally started focusing more on stand-up than improv and, and other kinds of writing back in like 2006, 2007, before I had kids. And, uh, you know, it's it's definitely been a roller coaster time management wise, but mm-hmm. it's it's still been okay. Like it, it's it's really hard. People uh, I know often quit stand up because of wanting to raise a family, and uh, I try to just do a lot of local shows and and not be on the road all the time. Working for a TV show really helps. Living in LA really helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get to do a lot of really cool stand-up stuff without having to travel because I'm in LA. And in Chicago, it was like I would be on the road all the time driving to different cities. And I'm sure it's similar in a lot of parts of Canada because all the big cities are so spread out horizontally. So you like you said you were originally based in chicago and then you uh, like my many comedians made the move to la uh was that a huge adjustment uh, sure yeah i mean i i i hate the weather out there i'm not an outside <laughs> like sun kind of person and, and a lot of people just can't shut the fuck up about how great all the sun is and, and that that's like oh this is geographically just a nightmare it can be really frustrating too just because of how spread out la is la is this metropolis metropolis that's like you know people still call santa monica la but it's two hours from hollywood like in traffic that's horrible so it, it, in in chicago if something's two hours away you would never do it but in la it's like oh you got an audition in santa monica i know you live in pasadena so it's going to take you three hours to get there but it's just an audition you got to do it it's required and it can be overwhelming at times um but what what's great about it versus pretty much every other city i've ever been in including new york which i love i love new york but you can actually live in LA and tell people you're like a performer and they don't give you like this condescending stink eye, like, oh, what a stupid hobby you have. You know, even a writer, like if you were that in Chicago, they're like, oh, but what do you do that's not like insulting to like your parents? Like they're like, oh, uh, a writer, ew, that's so precious. Oh, that's so nice. That's a big thing in Chicago where they, they pay all their artists nothing. They just want you to do everything for free and you know have a day job and just do it at night for no pay and they're you know right now chicago has actually gotten really bad because they're creating all these laws that mm-hmm. make it hard to do, to produce free shows they're, they're seeing you have to pay all these fees and performers licenses and stuff and like yeah they're they're running a lot of the free performance out of chicago but at least in la it's like yeah there's a certain amount of like oh yeah i'm yet another performer in this town but also, they respect it a, even like a little bit. That's a huge gift because you know you you you'll tour as a stand-up in in uh, all these different states, all these different parts of Canada, and they'll be like, "Oh, it's just I can't believe how famous you are that this club flew you out here." And I'm like, "Oh, I'm not that famous. It's just I got lucky." Uh, because they don't perceive doing it as like a real profession. You're like this weird dream creature. If you do this, but it's not in L.A. It's like, OK, it's normal. Yeah. You you have more opportunities in L.A. and many more shows to get. It's not like where we see. Yeah. In Chicago, we have these uh, entertainment taxes coming into small yeah. venues where they've suddenly said that, oh, well, you know, rap, country, rock, comedy isn't fine art anymore. So you have to pay thousands of dollars in back taxes. Whereas in L.A., you seem to have opportunities all over the place. Yeah, it's, as much as they want to tax you for all the free pro bono stuff you do. And you're like, I'm not making any money. Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, we'll find money to tax you for. And it, it 
it can get infuriating. But yeah, what's really nice in the last 10 years, LA has developed a sort of indie scene that is big enough that it, it, it's like Chicago too. It has like a lot of local support. I mean, it's just, it's, it can be just as much of a bummer because a lot of the, the indie performers are bitter assholes like they are everywhere else. But you, you can still find your community in LA. And I think for a while, those communities in LA were a lot smaller and more exclusive and, and niche and didn't want to welcome new people into it. They were just sort of like, we're the 10 alternative comics in LA and the rest of you aren't cool enough to hang out with us. Now there's like 30 alternative venues in LA and uh, that's more like Chicago. And I, I think it, LA is because of how big it is. It's been able to take a lot of what's great about New York and Chicago and kind of, let that come in too to what's good yeah it, it seems like it's because of its size it can breed uh subcultures it can breed these almost i don't know not subcultures but almost uh it's a uh, communities yeah within it that feel like smaller smaller quote-unquote cities yeah like over the last hundred years la figured out that you don't want to actually have that many studios for tv and film in hollywood it's not a great neighborhood to do it in mm-hmm. like it's better and cheaper sometimes to do it in Burbank or Culver City and um, you know it, uh, it, it took longer but the indie communities sort of figured it out too it's better to have you know like your, your local uh, gallery thing in like Beverly Hills or Silver Lake or something and uh, then you know the, the comedy shows figured that out and then nobody does anything in Hollywood like tourists come to the Hollywood Walk of Fame and you want to tell them like <laughs> There's nothing to do here. Like <laughs> Hollywood's got like the 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 Ripley's Believe It or Not place, uh, a Hard Rock Cafe, the Chinese Theater, and that's it. Like there's like so little to actually do in Hollywood proper, which is used to be the main hub of Los Angeles. That it's uh, kind of amazing if once you start finding all the stuff going on, there's a lot to do out there. I, I, I've grown to appreciate it more. It's hard and. Um, there's definitely smaller communities like the live. I used to, I can't, I came from theater and like I miss. Uh, I know my wife does too. Just like the 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 feeling that you could go do a play or write a play and like have it taken seriously. Whereas like in L.A., all that stuff is done by I don't know weirdos. Sometimes it's it's at least in my experience, like it's a lot of people who are again not welcoming. <laughs> They're like obsessed with their own niche and don't want to invite uh, a new class of people in whereas in chicago it was a lot of working class like let's all just make sh- shows together whatever it takes so yeah it seems like well i mean we're not making money from this so yeah we gotta bond together whereas in la it's like oh do you have fake boobs and you can't be in our show that pays nothing like, yeah. and it's like what the fuck so um you know i I'm, I'm still learning uh the ropes out in la but so far i've been really happy with how how much it's changed in just yeah the last 10 years it's it's been nice because i took pilgrimages out there for like seven years to see if it was the right place to move before and would just do a bunch of stand-up shows and eventually it was like oh this is this is gonna work this is gonna work uh, another thing this year uh just recently you had announced you've beat cancer sort of sort of I mean, I kicked its ass for the second time. Yeah, you. That's a. That's an, like. Yeah, it's like one of those things where like you always want to celebrate, but also it's your cells malfunctioning. You you can't be like, 
oh man, I tricked those cells. They'll <laughs> never do anything wrong again. I dare them. You know, you don't want to do that. But. Yeah, um, but when you first uh, when you first found out, uh, I noticed there was a large campaign to raise money to help your wife and kids out during your chemo. Yeah, that went really well. Yeah, and I mean, it just must have felt amazing to have this much support from, I saw the AV club posting it, just the internet yeah. kind of bonded together to help you out. And, and, uh, and I'm looking forward to having more energy and losing some weight. I gained a ton of weight from all the steroids, so like... I'm literally wearing an, uh, a T-shirt for the festival right now to cover up the fact that this this shirt, when I button it up, no longer can in- hold back my torso. Like I've just ballooned, and uh, that sucks. But I'm I am really lucky in that I it's a kind of cancer where chemo generally just annihilates it. I just I've had to go through it. It's actually the second time. The first time I didn't tell anybody because I didn't need chemo. But this time I was like, fuck, I have to go bald and, mm-hmm. and it's going to be really obvious. I'm going to gain all this weight. So, yeah, I told people and I cannot express how grateful I am. It sucks that I have to now go back to being a normal person who nobody gives pity money to. That was real fun. But, um, you know, I'm really uh, excited I get to experience my midlife crisis properly in my 30s as opposed to my 40s. And I'm going to you know, take advantage of all the goodwill that's been thrown to me. And it's really exciting. Yeah. Did you find that, um, you could incorporate it into your act or did you keep it out of your comedy? A little bit. Like I have a few jokes, but a lot of it has been so dark. It's just been like, people be like, Oh, so, uh, I'm working on it. I, I, I find it interesting cause I've always done dark humor, but like the cancer stuff is so frightening to people that it sends them into pity so deeply that they don't want to laugh at anything. Mm-hmm. They just kind of feel bad for themselves. That's honestly the hardest part about cancer is how much you have to take care of other people and babysit their feelings. That it can be really hard to incorporate in your comedy because the whole audience is going, and which is the opposite of laughter. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, um, I'm, 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 I'm definitely playing around with it, but uh, I'm easing my way into it. Yeah. Uh, nerd culture has always been a big part of your act. Did you find that um, you eased yourself into that? Did you did you always kind of gravitate towards uh, nerd culture, or was that something that? I mean, I was just born, yeah, like uh, really spastic and introverted, and uh, I've become able to harness my extroverted side more as an adult. But I'm still very like introverted in most situations, and just sort of need to recharge my energy, and as opposed to sitting at a table with a lot of other people and being loud like i just avoid that but um i i you know i i at first i think i incorporated it more than i do now um because i i think there was a niche for it like 10 years ago but now it's almost so overdone and also like nerd culture is kind of eating its own tail at this mm-hmm. point one thing that's really bothered me is how much of it how it's embraced the let's be an asshole and like uh, I, I always thought the whole point of nerds taking over was to be inclusive and be like, hey, like if the underdogs get to take over, like we need to let all the underdogs have a seat at the table. And there's a lot of people who now that they've uh, become more powerful than their childhood bullies, can't wait to torture mm-hmm. everyone. There's a lot of Ramsey Boltons uh, out in nerd culture yeah. taking over. So, you know, I'm lucky I get to work with a guy uh Chris Hardwick, who is all about inclusiveness, but there's so many people who've kind of like ruined nerd culture for me personally that I, I I try to be careful about taking any label on. I think it's more important that, especially as a comedian, we speak truth to power. And uh, if the power is now a bunch of hackers who 
post people's social security numbers online and stuff like that to ruin their lives. And I think it's more responsible of us to reject that and fight against that nihilism than it is to just be like, oh, we're part of a cool club that likes comic books. Like we have to actually examine it, I think, as we get older and society advances. Awesome. Uh, One of my favorite bits by you is your uh, uh, bimbo bread bit. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, thank you. (laughs) uh, Are you waiting for the call to be the uh, spokesperson for bimbo bread to voice the bear or? uh... Uh, You know, it hasn't happened. I haven't done that bit in a long time because I put it on an album, you know, like five years ago. But uh, like I, I'm still fascinated by that because it's a nonsense word when they made it up in Spanish. And then it means this this very insulting thing in English. I, I can't believe it's still happening because I still go to the store and it's really common in L.A. where there's, you know, the population is huge Hispanic population. There's just bimbo bread everywhere. It's, it's supposed to be pronounced bimbo. Mm-hmm. It's part of my bit, right? Like, it's like they beg you to pronounce it bimbo to make it the <laughs> Spanish nonsense word. It's not. Uh, and, and people still pick it up. Like, you'll hear all the time people at the grocery store in Los Angeles pick it up and be like, Look at this bread. We should buy it. Hey, honey, we should buy this funny bread. It's got a bear. It says bimbo. Like, <laughs> like you really, like, wonder if the people in the boardroom, like, have any idea. This bread sells so much. It's so popular. Like, it's, it's yeah. I it, To this day, I just... The bit is done, but I'm fascinated every time. Uh, that about does it with our time. Uh, what? Where can people find you coming up? Do you have shows coming up? That's a great question. I, you know, I headline flappers a lot in Burbank. Uh, I'm on Twitter a lot, obviously, because that's my job. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like uh, I'm on Twitter. I've also started taking my Twitch channel seriously. I play a lot of No Man's Sky on Twitch, and I'm going to play other stuff like Overwatch and uh, Rocket League on there. I, I've just committed to twitch i've been looking at it for a long time and now i'm I'm having a lot of fun with it so i'm telfer dan on twitch and yeah you know i'll be announcing plenty more comedy dates soon but uh got one more surgery left over from this cancer thing and then i'm hoping it'll be the last hurdle and i can start going doing more stuff all right. Well, we all wish you good luck with the surgery. I'm sure all th- everything will go well. Uh, I've been Aaron Demeter with uh, comedian Dan Telfer. You can find more of me at entertainment-value.com. Uh, thank you for joining us. Showbizmonkeys.com.